Yeah, yeah, that was. I remember that. They, said they couldn't understand you or Fanny. They said they couldn't understand you or Fanny. They couldn't understand either one of you. sounds just like my grandma when he talked. She's not as far south as you, though. She's just in Tennessee. ask a blessing on this study as well <clears throat> and just um, we'll just get started that way um, you bow your heads with me please Heavenly Father we again come together and give you thanks and praise for this the study you gave us this uh, uh, afternoon as well as we ask your blessing on this study we ask again Lord that you just continue to bless us and um, allow us to continue to share the love you've given to each and every one of us and being with with each other in the flesh for a moment we also thank you lord for bringing together those online and those that will later view these studies and and just come to get to know you through the word that you present and what you're going to say best that you can uh bless everyone as we separate today and go and uh partake of eating and fellowship later and that you bless that as well we ask all these things in jesus name and we give praise amen Um, so the study this afternoon is uh, titled Darkness to Light. Um, you guys probably saw the um, heading from before, but being that I was doing two studies uh, in one day, I kind of, they're not really the same, but they are similar in the sense that, you know, if the uh, Thieves and Robbers study was considered the hand, this will be the foot, you know, it's, it's all the same, you know. We all have the same Bible. We all go by the same scripture. And so it's just reorganizing scripture to give any particular point. So, you know, darkness to light. There's a lot said about darkness in scripture, and there's a lot said about light. The study won't in any way encompass uh, everything said about it. And uh, just to briefly recap on the last study we mentioned, um, as I did in the study, one of the thieves of mocking Christ and the other being repentant, which is true, but of course, uh, like Derek pointed out, we went and looked at all the three of the Gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, and it mentions both before that, both thieves actually mocked Christ before that, but of course the one thief does become repentant, and, and we went through that study, so we won't have to go through that, but 
just to clarify that there there was a there was mentioning in all three gospels there that the both thieves were repentant and we'll see how that comes together actually in this study because it just brings out the point that we all have an experience where we're going to be that old man and then become repentant if we're given repentance by God, godly repentance, and then and transition into the new man. And that whole process, you don't start off as mature right away. You have to grow into maturity. So, um, Christ tells us to pick up our cross and follow him. And we know that the, the, that the cross itself represents death. But it also represents life, you know, because it, it brings life to us. And so in this study, we're going to see how darkness is being equated to death and how light's, of course, representing life. But additionally, what that means, you know, in our everyday lives, because um, as I've been doing these various studies I do, I try to just see what the Lord's saying as we all progress together and, and getting to know God a little more, you know, so. Um, again, there's a lot that can be said about darkness and light, but I can only cover so much in an hour and, and whatever the Lord reveals to me to share anyway. So, um, the inspiration for this study is, in, is found in John 12:35. You all be familiar with this verse. Um, but it says in John 12:35, then Jesus said unto them, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not, knoweth not where he goes. And so, obviously, in context of him being alive and walking around and him telling his disciples this at the time, he, at, you know, that obviously implies that he's about to go to the cross, you know. And we're going to read this in context where that verse is stated. But there's also, again, more that than appears on the surface, just like we were talking about with the the uh, study with the thieves. So, um, to give a little context, we're going to read just a few verses surrounding that, starting in verse 23 and ending in 28. And in, in John 12, 23, it says, And Jesus answered them and, and said, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone, but if it die, it brings much forth much fruit. He that loves his life shall lose it, and he that hates his life in this world shall keep it into life eternal if any man serve me let him follow me and where i am there shall also my servant be and if he man, if any man serve me him will my father honor now is my soul troubled and what shall i say father save me from this hour but for the curse came i unto this hour father glorify thy name then came then there came a spirit from heaven saying i have both glorified thee and will glorify it again and if you notice there, I, I emphasize it in my notes, but it says, and, and will glorify it again. So God, you know, the voice says, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And Christ um, there said right before that, my soul is troubled. Father, save me from this hour. And like I was pointing out in the last study, there's something being said when you hear that phraseology, you know, this day or this hour. And, you know, to God, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. And it's really kind of this concept that it's not a timing issue. It's about what's being said, what we're being told in these in these uh, 
in this phraseology. So anyhow, the focus I'm getting at here is it says God, the Father, the voice from heaven says, I have been glorified and I'm going to glorify my name again. So what does that mean for us today? So uh, in John 12, 29 through 37, uh, it says, sorry, my go to meetings acting up. Got to sort this out just real quickly. Everyone in the go to meeting can see my notes and what I'm doing on the screen, but it jumped out. So in John 12, 29, it says, the people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, "The voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is judgment of this. Now is the judgment of this world. I had that bold and underlined. Now is the judgment of this world. So this voice coming is representing what's going to happen and 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 what's going to transpire with Christ going on the cross. So now, therefore, the prince of this world be cast out. If I if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he says, signifying what death he should die." The people answered, "We have heard out of, sorry. We have heard of out of the law that Christ abideth forever. And how sayest thou, the Son of Man may must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man?" Then Jesus said unto them, "Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may be the children of light." These things spake Jesus and departed and hid. And did hide himself from them. But though he did, he had done so, so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. That's what this particular verse says. They believed not on him. But we record, of course, we know that the Jews that believed on him wanted to crucify him. So it seems like it's a contradiction, but it's really not when you sum up what's happening here. So I know that's a lot of verses, but what happens is Christ mentions again, the hour has come. And again, God says, I will glorify my name. So what does that mean? Well, the very next verse, Christ says, I will be lifted up and draw all men unto me. So it is fairly easy to conclude that the judgment of this world, which is what we just heard there, comes and is accomplished via the cross. And we talked about a little of the aspects of that in the last study, but judgment comes with the cross. And so... My notes just keep, sorry, I'm scrolling up. My notes are scrolling. Having trouble with the laptop. They're going really far down. Sorry, everyone. And so we know judgment comes with the cross. So what does this all mean? Well, the, the, the focus of the study, I will make darkness light before them. What, what am I getting at with that? In Isaiah 42, 16-19, it says this, I will bring the blind by a way that they know not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do to them and not forsake them. They shall be turned back and they shall be greatly ashamed that trust in graven images that say to the molten images, you are are gods. Hear you deaf and look you blind that you may see. Who is blind but my servant? Or deaf as my messenger that I had sent? Who is blind 
as he that is perfect, and blind as the Lord's servant. So, even as we pointed out in the, with the thieves, there was a point, and it actually makes this point even clearer, that that thief was up on the cross, the repentant thief. And as we saw with what Derek pointed out, both thieves at one point had actually reviled and mocked the Lord. But then there comes a point that we actually get to the, to the point where the Lord brings us to see that we are actually blind and we're deaf. And that's why it says right there, who is blind but my servant? Or deaf as my messenger that I had sent. So in other words, it's like I was saying earlier in the other study. We have experienced the judgment because it's now in the house of God. That, that we know what God's doing in our lives. We experience that. So we're able to say to those the Lord sends our way, or that we witness to, whether they accept it or not, we're able to say, I know what blindness is because I've been there. I know what not being able to hear anything, in other words, being in darkness, I know what that's like because I've been there and done that. And of course, with certain doctrines, we can still be growing and some things are... Some giants are slayed over here. We still have this giant over here to take care of. And that giant will be taken care of. Christ is doing it in us. But it's a progression. So as we're built up in faith, it's a process. When God tries our faith and we overcome that particular trial, he gives us more faith. So it's like God says, who is blind but my servant? Because God knows that this is the process that happens in the new man. So, uh, in like manner, in order for one to be the Lord's servant, they must know what it is like to not be the Lord's servant. If that makes sense, I hope that I say that clearly, but in order to be a Lord, be the servant of someone, you have to know what it's like to not be a servant, to serve. I mean, and that sounds, you know, kind of circular there, but it's it really just saying... The, the Lord servant, just like that thief, you have to be an unrepentant thief before you're repentant. That thief that was on that cross, I mean, this just points it out so clearly, was mocking Christ up there on the cross. He knew what he was doing, but just like that, with how the Lord works, he suddenly had the inspiration to say, who am I to mock this guy who's up there on this cross? That's what he says to the other thief, you know. This guy doesn't deserve this. So that was a transformation. That was... The example of going from darkness to light. And why is that? Well, what happens when a light comes into the picture? If you can imagine, just closing your eyes, you know, we all know that we all live this kind of thing. But if you're in complete darkness, you can open your eyes physically. But, I mean, if it's completely dark, guess what you're going to see? Complete darkness. Even though you think you're able to see or whatever. The point is, if you see just a little light in that darkness, it it can be quite bright. Just a little light. And so as that light continually pours into the darkness, it starts overpowering the darkness and making things more visible, you know. And so, this is what the, the way, truth, and life is all about. Because Christ says, I am the light of the world, and he, of course, tells us we are the light as well. So one of the miraculous things we see happen, uh, see, which happens is that before men's eyes, remember that concept of the, the crowds out there, hawking Christ, and there you have these crosses? 
will, before men's eyes, the darkness that they see will be made light. We just read that. Darkness will be made light. So in the twinkling of eye, this is what happens. So in other words, the darkness that once dwelled in a person will be used to bring forth light. Just like in Genesis, there's darkness first and a light comes out of it. So the only way a servant of God knows of what he speaks is to be Saul on the road to Damascus, who is struck down with the great light, thus creating Paul eventually. You have to be that Saul, you know, that have that Saul experience, or like we were talking about in the thief, you have to be that unrepentant thief to become the repentant. So in Acts 22, 4-8, you're familiar with this story, but it brings out some of this uh, topic. I, pers I persecuted this way unto death, blinding, or so binding and delivering in prisons both men and women, and also the high priest that bear me witness, and all the estate of the elders, from whom I had received letters unto the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring forth, to bring them which were bound to, unto Jerusalem, for to be punished. And it came to pass that as I made my journey, and was come nigh unto Damascus, about noon suddenly there shone from heaven a great light around me. And I fell unto the ground, and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? And I answered, Who are thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. Well, we all know noon, the, high, the, the sun is high in the sky at noon. In other words, there's light that is coming at its strongest point at that point in the day, right? Well, let's see what this great mystery is all about. So this great mystery of light uh, comes because... Saul at the time, of course, knew he was persecuting the church. I mean, he very well, like he said, there's witnesses to this. Everybody knew what I was doing. Everybody knew I was Saul. Yet it took a great experience of light to have instantly, in the twinkling of an eye, so to speak, Saul fall down and, and wonder what the heck was going on, you know. So it was this great light that comes in. But again, light, uh, blindness is likened to death, and death, and death is likened to darkness. And it really is just a spiritual way um, to describe the same thing. So, again, obviously, like I've mentioned, dark, we can imagine blindness because we're, you know, we can open our eyes in dark and say, oh, that's what it's like to be blind. But a blind person has absolutely no idea what it is like to be in light. So when we come, bringing this into a practical sense, preaching and teaching and witnessing just simply by how we live about the light that is in us, a blind person has no idea how to interpret what they're seeing because they don't see anything. So when we bring knowledge and understanding and we're trying to help them with scriptures and so on and so forth, if they're blind and the Lord's not working with them, there's absolutely no way they can understand what we're telling them. They can intellectually try to grasp some of it, but it just doesn't come unless what we've read here, the day of the Lord, the hour hand, comes unto this person because that's the significance of what is happening with the cross, the judgment that's being brought. In other words, the words we speak, they can be just words to most people. But when God is speaking to a person, you know, working with them, and judgment comes to them, then that process of the cross is starting in them. And that's really what, you know, Christ being on the cross, I mean, he was crucified physically, of course, but there's a strong message in, in that transition that happens. And even Christ, 
proves that that's just the beginning of this. Death was just the beginning. I mean, he still had to go on to perfection. So the, that's just the point where, if you notice in that story, uh, in one of the Gospels, it says about the sixth to ninth hour, the sun was darkened. He dies. You know, there's this this uh, equation to darkness. Well, he dies, and of course, what happens? Well, the darkness goes away and all that eventually, you know. But then what happens? The light of the world comes in the form of Christ and, and his spiritual body, so on and so forth. So let's see what the uh, process of what this process means in, in respect to a physically blind man given sight, what he sees. Because, you know, Christ healed blind people from their from their birth. So there's a lot to be said in that. So Mark 8, 22 to 26 says, and he come with the Bethsaida. And they, they bring him a blind man to him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and let him out of the town. When he had spit on his eyes, he put his hands upon him. He asked him if he saw, what he saw. And he looked up and said, I see ministries walking. And after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him to look up. And he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house saying, Neither go into the town nor tell it to the any in the town so what we're being witness to of course I've many times the scripture has been mentioned but um, what we're being witness to in another way is that when the light comes to darkness it takes a process for Christ to fully reveal the situation of what's happening in other words what's it, what let's reverse this what Christ say at the end he says go and tell no man go, don't go into the town and don't tell anyone what's happened with you. Why? I mean, it's obviously, you know, I'll, I'll say it this way. Christ said, um, keep, basically, he said, keep it to yourself because you're a babe, and essentially. But he didn't say that, right? He said, he said, to not go into town nor tell any in any, tell it to any in the town. But why did what why did Christ say this and what did he mean by it? I mean that's kind of a weird statement, you know, all of a sudden Christ heals the guy, says, Don't tell anybody about it. And you see that in other places where he heals people or works with them. He says, Don't tell anyone about it. But of course they all go and tell that. But I mean, why why is that a message there? I mean what what are we being told there? It was written down for a reason. And I mean there's multiple reasons, but the reason that uh, I keep doing this with my notes. Um, the reason is that when we are brought from darkness and given the truth about what men, mankind is, then that work alone will be the witness to others. Meaning, when you're blind, it's just like they witnessed. What, what, what was the witness of that very blind man? They all saw that, hey, isn't this this guy that was blind? It was the works. In other words, even Christ said, if you don't believe me and my words, believe the works. Because it's the works of what Christ is doing that are going to be the proof. In other words, when you're a babe, like this blind man, and this is just a type and shadow, of course, but when you're a babe, you, you can't tell an adult anything because you can't speak. You don't have the words properly. All you can say is, as a babe, here's what's happened in my life. Christ has changed me, so on and so forth. I feel this way and that way. But you can only reveal the truth of the situation, which is Christ doing the works in you. So the works themselves will speak and witness to what Christ is doing. And so, 
that very work that's done to them or us, in other words, by Christ, will be what is used against the person as they judge themselves out of their own thoughts and mouth. Because just like they claim to him, what's happening? You know, what happened? How'd you get healed? You know, how'd you, how did this happen to you? Well, then that he tells them what happens and they go on to say, oh, well, even his disciples said, what, what, why is this guy blind? You know, why was he blind? And then Christ expounds to them and says, was for the glory of God. I'm paraphrasing all that, of course, but what what should become becoming kind of crystal clear here is that the first ones we are the first ones who don't see Christ and, and see Christ as He really is, and who is His Christ. And as uh, at first, that's how we see it. But before that, and before we're able to see that, we're that thief, for example, or we're that person that. It's completely blind. So we can relate again to what the, the people that are blind go through when they don't understand what's going on. You know, when, for example, someone says, what's this trial, tribulation of my life? And we're witnessing to them unless God's working with them and judging the situation. They're not going to understand. So First Thessalonians 5.1-5.8 bring out a, a point of how we're supposed to live here with this, this concept. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you for yourselves. Know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they say, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do the others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, be drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now those verses kind of succinctly said what I've been saying a lot, but did you notice those that, uh, those that, are awake, in other words, they've been given light, they're coming from dark, you know, death is likened to to, de uh, to the night, you know, those being asleep. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. In the last study, we talked about this process that when those that are coming to Christ, what do they do? They have the porter who's watching at the gate. This is this, this uh, type and shadow of what we're living through, and we have that hope because what? We live in the day. What I mean, even the last day, he said, today you shall be with me in paradise. Or this hour has come. It's all talking about this process of judgment coming all the time to us. All, you know, every, every that's why even to the very thoughts we have, you know, Christ is working in that situation. That's why we're bringing them into subjection to what's going on in our life. So the hope of salvation that has been given to those which walk in the day are given to those who are following Christ where he is and this is of course no doing of or work of themselves it is Christ beckoning to pick up the cross of all him that gets the chains moving in this process in other words a, you know the blind man wants to be healed but he has no way to start that process it has to be Christ reaching down and grabbing the dirt spitting in it and taking care of the blindness, even though there might be a desire there. It has to be Christ and his work doing it. 
So the, the, the focus of the study is to present the truth that we are all sent out into the world among, amongst our family, friends, peers, and loved ones. And we're to do so to show them that we've been delivered and that the deliverance comes through what we've been delivered from. The deliverance comes from the enemy of darkness, blindness, sleep in the night, death, all the same thing. And this is a continually a continual lifelong process. We can only bring life to sal uh, br bring life and salvation to a dead person. If anyone heard that, but you you can only bring life to someone that's dead or in death. And so, the, where is that death at? I mean, everyone's going to know what I'm going to say. It's kind of been repeated, but death and judgment. Where is that? It's represented in the cross. So that that transition that we were talking about before. From the old to Christ to the new, this process, you can only have that when there's death involved. If you don't know you're dead, if you don't know you're blind, you can't be given sight nor life, for example. And there's a really good example of this in the Old Testament. Because we all know, kind of, at least in my upbringing anyways, we focused a lot on the New Testament. So let's give an example of this in the Old Testament and see what it brings out. You know, in 2 Samuel 22... One, we're going to start there. And David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hands of all of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. But if you caught that, it's a phrase that's used so many times in Scripture. In the day or in the hour. It's, it's bringing back the point that we like to focus on what's out there behind us, but it's really the focus of what's going on right now. That's what the focus of judgment is about right now. And so, continuing uh, continue in verse 2. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock in whom I will trust, he is my shield and the horde of my salvation, my high tower, my refuge, my savior. Thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. When the waves of death compass me, the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell, that should be Sheol or grave, compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God. And he did hear my voice out of his temple. And my cry did enter into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. And the foundations of heaven moved and shook because he was wroth. There went up a smoke out of his nostrils. The fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also and came down, and darkness was under his feet. Does anyone else remember what's under the Lord's feet? Well, for 1 Corinthians 15.25, For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. So our hope of salvation is bringing the truth of the light of the gospel to those who is Christ is dragging to himself. And so when, you know, I've said this several times, but when does Christ do this? John three fourteen. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. John twelve thirty one and 32. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. So when we present this truth of the Word of God to someone, we're presenting the judgment of the Word of God on all that is in the world in that person. 
we're presenting the truth of all that's in the world in you and I, the same judgment that happens to us, and that's in that person. Zephan, uh, Zephaniah 1.14-15 says, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near in it, and it hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness. A day of clouds and thick darkness could tell us how we're included in that process because we are the clouds. So, is it any wonder, and this will kind of wrap up this whole judgmental thing, is it any wonder that anyone ever thinks we're being judgmental to them? Because what happens is, when we have the Word of God dwelling in us, when we have Christ dwelling in us, and we just speak the truth or live it, as it were, naturally, what we say to a person, or, or give them by example, is judging that person. It's not that we are judging them, but it's just that what we say judges them. Because everyone, everyone, all hum humans, hate the Word of God. They hate Jesus Christ. You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. It's going to be the same for us as it was for him. So we don't judge people. It just doesn't happen that way. But what people take it as is as judgment against them. So they see the messenger, which would be you and I, claiming to be the son of God, of which we are. We're children of God. But then they, they hear us saying, here's what the, the word of God says. And that itself is going to be judgmental to them. They think we're judging them, and all, again, all we're doing is sharing what we know. So 2 Corinthians 11 through 15 says, but what, but what I do, that will I do, that I may cut off occasion from them, which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transferred into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transferred as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. Now, I know I myself didn't think of myself as a Christian being an angel of light, or, or an angel transformed to light. In other words, I didn't think of myself as an, a messenger of Satan. You just don't. You think you're preaching the word of God, you're sharing the gospel with people, you know. You don't think of yourself as this messenger for Satan. Yet, he has his ministers, as it says there, that are transferred into ministers of righteousness. But it's their own righteousness that they're preaching and teaching. Of course, it's because that's what they've been taught, traditions of men, so on and so forth. And it's all because, just like Christ, will be accused, just like Christ, of being self-righteous and full of evil spirits, when it's actually the reverse. And this brings in the, the concept of light and, and blindness. In Matthew 12, 22, it says, Then was brought out unto him one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed them. He healed him. Insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is this not the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out devils, but by Bezalbub, the prince of the devils, and Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. 
And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then how how shall then his kingdom stand? And then in Matthew ten twenty five it says, It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his lord. If they called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they cast them of his household? Call him of his household. Nevertheless, we needn't be concerned with this because this again is the calling we have been called to. There simply is never going to be a way to avoid being persecuted for the truth or for bringing the light to darkness. When you do that and, and you speak the word of God, you're just naturally judging the darkness for what it is. Death and blindness. And What is the one thing we as humans want to do? We want to escape death. We want to prolong it as long as possible. We don't want to die physically. We want to push that thing off. And we naturally just balk at the idea of dying. But when you bring the truth of the word of God to, the, to that death, both physically and spiritual death, then it's going to be offensive. So all around, again, it's just simply death of the old man in his carnal ways, which people experience as we spread the fire of the word through their wood, hay, and stubble, and th you know, of their hearts and minds. Uh, this last section, and then we can wrap up the study. Um, the light that is in any of us, the word of God, that any of us have dwelling in our hearts and minds, now lives in this place that was once full of darkness. We all know that. I mean, we've experienced it. But this is, of course, not no, just not. It's not about just knowing a bunch of scriptures or memorizing scriptures and being able to speak them quickly and you know efficiently and all that kind of thing. It's about having the Word of God, which is scripture, of course, but having the Word of God, Jesus Christ, dwell in us. But what that does. And this is what's really offensive to people and also witnesses to people is what we kind of talked about last night as a group. It actually starts to bring about the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. You know, and it's a lifelong process. But, and it's going to happen to the day we die and the last breath we take. But it starts developing these, the fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned there in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of these things happen over our lifetime. And they're brought in as what it says right here in Galatians 5.24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And if we live in the Spirit, let us walk also. Let us also walk in the Spirit. So again, we've not only been talking about today the flesh that's hanging up on a cross, but also the mindset that goes with it. Just like those thieves, there was a certain mindset and even both of them. And then one became repentant. The mindset changes. So this is a war in our minds. We all know that. It's a war that goes on in the very hearts and minds of our family and loved ones. Hi, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi. Steve Lozo just walked in, everyone. And so... Where are your grandkids at? Okay. You want me to stay here? Alright, great.
We're actually almost wrapped up, so we'll, uh, I don't, all right, I'm just trying to find my place in the notes, but again, after all this, there's a, um, there's a time that we lived in darkness again, and, and there's a time that Christ comes into our lives, and we're given peace to be able to handle whatever God's will for us is in, the, in our lives, and also in what he's willed in other lives as they come before us, and so, in Matthew twenty four twenty seven it says, For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth into the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And if we can imagine, and I, I go back to this study because, again, I told you they're hand and foot together in concept. That thief that's hanging on that cross that mocked Christ, he also comes back just like that. While he's there in that process, then to then say, this guy doesn't deserve what's happening and remember me. And so... The hour and the day of the sun comes when no one is watching. It comes as a thief in the night, as we read there. And and that's why we also must be really, uh, vigilant to realize that we are the light of the world in Christ. And lightning is a frightful thing to those that experience it. In other words, when we bring this message we've been talking about today, it's it's not a pleasant thing to the person experiencing it. A storm is scary to most people. And so when you're bringing, as we just said it's as, as lightning from the east to the west. It's very quick, very sudden, very scary, but it's, it's that's how Christ comes to people. And he, of course, uses his pillars and his people to do that. So um, I'll just read just a few more verses here, and then we can be close to the end. Luke ten seventeen through a few verses here. And 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the details, the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, sorry, notwithstanding, and this rejoice not, the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knows who is the Son but the Father, and who is the Father but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. So again, the darkness that's replaced with light, this concept we're talking about, is a trying life to have to live through, you know, that we are blessed to live through, but is one with a great reward. And the reward we are promised will not be only for us, and it will not benefit all that's in the world, you know, all that's in us. But it will have, a, again, a wonderful benefit for the Spirit. You know, it produces those things we read in Galatians there, love, joy, peace, and all that. But that's why we're told in 1 John 2, 15 and 16, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. So when that darkness is there, it has to be replaced by light. So um, we should take joy that, you know, God is He's dwelling in us. And as that light is dwelling in us, we, He uses us to drag others to the Lord. And, and it may not be something we can focus on all the time, but it's a wonderful process. It doesn't seem like much that we would be used to do that. Um, or that we're anybody to do that. Because, of course, in, in and of ourselves, we're not anyone. But 
just doesn't seem like very much. But to the Lord and, and, and the Father in heaven, it's a tremendous thing. Um, Acts 17.24 says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is he worshipped with man's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he, he gives all to all life and breath and all things. So with this whole dragging we've been talking about and, and darkness converted being, you know, darkness being light, being made into light, this process is something that uh, should always be at the forefront of our minds as we're working and talking and dealing with others that are in that same darkness that we used to be in. And so just hope you all know the blessing we're in that we can be that light to others and that, you know, that we're being used in that process. And so I know that was a hard study after a meal. That's the end of it. It's there to be read later or reviewed if possible, but that's that's that study. I mean, there's a, there's a lot you can bring into light and darkness and the types and shadows, but there was a lot I could have said in this that I had noted, but it's just the concept of light being, you know, darkness, having light, you know, darkness is used to, to bring forth light, so that's... that's Yeah, and even as I'm thinking through uh, what Derek pointed out there, that both thieves were the ones mocking, it just shows even clearly, more clearly, that the one thief within himself had that process just happen like that, you know. So you have the type and shadow of two thieves on both sides of Christ, one representing the old and new, but in that process of that one person, you know, you have that, that process happening of going from darkness just like that to light. That's exact. That's exactly it. Change a stone over to worship, you know. Well, that's the 